Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. chat at relay today and steve i'm gonna tell you in advance you're gonna have to edit out some swearing okay oh. that's a good way to start the show <laughs> sure so there is a there's an an acronym uh that you see a lot on the internet it's ftfy and we were talking about this at relay and apparently like it's supposed to stand for fix that for you but I have always read it as fuck this, fuck you. Like always on the internet all the time. And I just want to tell you, like, go through some tweets and find the phrase FTFY. And just in your mind, like if you're outside of church, because you don't want to catch into flames, but use the phrase, like just mentally read it as fuck this, fuck you. And it always makes sense. Like, it always makes sense. So, yes, I found that out today, and the world is a much different place because of that. I, I kind of want to just go through my Twitter right now and just do a search and just yeah. find and then just read it a whole bunch of stuff and then that. just laugh for an hour. So is, it, is that, like, scientifically proven that if you if you curse in church that you burst into flames? Is that uh, – have we had Mythbusters go, go and do that? I lost my eyebrows once. Well, I mean, that, that's just Georgia, like a day in the yeah. life of Georgia Dow, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, here's one. Yeah. <laughs> Let me fuck this fuck you. I, Dan Silver, don't even know what I'm talking about. I think that one doesn't actually work. Oh, here's a good one. Most people fuck this fuck you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> See, that's, that's a true statement. It seems true legit. Statement. I think we could do better than that. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's like uh, you know all those people think LOL stands for lots of love, and that's because in their hearts, like they're full of love, and and, and I think it says something about me psychologically. And then I just assumed it was what? Uh, like, let's go from the most defiant response possible. Well, so, Georgia, does that say anything about me psychologically? I I just would love to hear all of the conversations that you've had with people, and now you have to go back and say actually. I'm sorry. I oh, was really I'm angry sorry. at you yeah. for what you said there. <laughs> that was very um, and, inappropriate. Yeah. And you just wanted to fix the phone. And I right. was like, screw you. I'm leaving with my phone now. <laughs> Forget it. I'm taking my $20. <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm getting it. Uh, have, you, have you had a talk with your daughters yet, Steve, about appropriating the D word and how that's really wildly inappropriate? Have you talked to your daughters about that yet? Um, is, is the D word the name of a Pokemon? Then probably no. No, that's, that's no. the only thing that my daughters have been willing to talk about for the last like three weeks are various and sundry Daddy. Pokemon. Do you not know about how you can't use the D word anymore? I, I don't. I'm afraid of what you're going to tell me, but I don't. I don't know what you're talking I, about. I don't use that kind of language. I went to yeah, yeah. Why don't you type here? We'll type it. In the <laughs> type Hold it on. In is it is the D word like Demogorgon? Is that what that is? Or no, no. Here, I'll... Okay, no yeah, one no. screenshot this. <laughs> No one screenshot oh, no. oh this and put oh this. Oh my gosh! Oh you my! You actually typed God. it. You typed it. Oh my God! That word? I did. That <laughs> D word? That's a terrible D word. I'm not allowed to. We're, they're not allowed to appropriate that D word I anymore. Want you, 
don't talk to your daughters about that. It's really disrespectful. Oh my. Okay. I will okay. make sure. I I don't. Okay. <laughs> I, words are hard. Words are hard. Yes. Words um, are hard. Yes. Word, word, especially that one. Uh, there, there came a point in time where I was suddenly no longer comfortable saying that word because not because I'm. Of course, the appropriation thing is a, is haha. It's a it's, very it's no. Silly. It's very serious. It's very very, very serious. serious. Very yeah. serious. But like right. for me now, because of what it has come to mean. I just I like whenever I hear anyone say that my skin just starts to crawl because yeah. I don't know. There's just something so, about that. Uh, it just, it skeeves me out personally. Yeah. So does this mean that when I make D jokes now, I'm doing a very different thing than I thought I was, I was doing Can't, before. Yes. Okay. It's very wrong. Steve. I don't want to, I will, I will stop making D jokes immediately. Okay. I will stop that. Thank you. It's kind of interesting. Cause there's a whole bunch of, um, Non-offensive word that do creep people out just because of the way that they sound. Oh, like moist. Moist. Um, that was it. That was the one I Phlegm. used that the other day. Phlegm. <laughs> That's just a great word. Uh, the way it's spelled Phlegm. makes it fantastic. That is true. D a d d y. We should we should move we should on. start the show. Yeah. we should start the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so up first, we are gonna head over to the the big blue bird and talk about Twitter and how it continues to be an absolute failure <laughs> in in many ways. Uh, <laughs> but the latest, of course, uh, centers around verification, um, and there is a story that, of course, we will put in the show notes. Uh, it's a Storify, so that's a bunch of different tweets put together from Jen Frank, and mm-hmm. Jen is talking about Twitter verification and uh, how she was not verified despite having what you would think would be all of the necessary requirements, and then her husband did it for a joke, and he was able to get verified. So let's, yeah, let's so talk can about I this. can I talk about this a bit, Micah? You know, because yeah, Jim Frank is my friend. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not super close with her, but she was also targeted by Gamergate, and there's a a certain amount of you know camaraderie because of that. So Jim Frank uh, is, if you put together a list of some of the the ten most important notable women in uh, game writing, she would absolutely be on that list. Uh, she's won awards for game writing. Uh, you know, she's written for The Guardian. She's been in The New York Times. She's, she's a veteran. And um, you know, she, she's a veteran of an era where we, frankly, had a lot fewer women in, in game writing. So she applied to be verified at Twitter, and it didn't uh, go through. And as she said, Mike, uh, her husband kind of did it as a joke and was uh, verified instantly. Um, and she ended up quitting because of that. I can also say Ellen Powell, uh, former CEO of Reddit, applied for this a while back and was rejected. Oh, jeez. Right. Um, it happened to me. Um, I've been asking Twitter to be verified forever. They rejected me initially. Um, I did talk to some people in back channel, and that ended up being rescinded, just as it was for Ellen Powell. But the truth is, a lot of um, women out there don't have connections at Twitter. So I just want to look at one stat. On Twitter, uh, Tess Reinerson 
put together a very rough number of stats about this. So what she did is she looked at all the users on Twitter that are verified, and she compared the names, because if you're verified, you have to use your real-world name, and she compared that name versus a database to kind of roughly establish gender. So it's not going to be 100% accurate, but it's going to be pretty accurate. And what she found is that um, you know the number of verified users on Twitter is roughly there are twice as many um, men as women that have been verified. And, you know, this is a real problem. What I hear from my friends that work at Twitter is, um, you know, most of the people on the verification team are dudes. And, you know, unfortunately, one of the ways unconscious sexism, you know, comes to bear is when men are deciding who has value and what has value, um, that list tends to not include women. Um, so I'm going to save my comments on this, but, you know, I wanted to pass this over um, to you, Steve, and say, like, what are your thoughts on this? I, I think that the the problem that Twitter keeps running into with this ultimately is that I think Twitter wants to use the verified system f- for something different than what users want to use the verified system for, because Twitter wants the verified user base to basically be celebrities, That is ends up being a murky topic when you have a handful of people who there's no transparency to knowing who they are deciding who qualifies as a celebrity or not. But I think that when they when they opened up the verification to everyone, part of it is that, you know, I am someone who's newsworthy and I should be verified so that people can't impersonate me. But I think a reason a lot of other people and what probably introduced a lot of noise into the system is that some people just want it to be able to get some of the tools that verified users have. Because they did that right after the Leslie Jones incident. Uh, They opened that up to everybody as they were still trying to figure out how they were going to deal with all of that. Ultimately, they, they subsequently ended up rolling out the quality filter to everyone, which is a big step. But I think the problem is that if everyone was verified regardless of newsworthiness, that would have a, a bigger chance of... Uh, Twitter taking discipline on somebody sticking the way that if you lose your license, it's a bigger deal if because you had to have a license in the first place. It seems to me that's what they don't understand. And they're trying to put this arbitrary system of, well, describe your newsworthiness, which is one thing that Jen, that Jen Frank put in her in her tweet storm. And I think that they're they're kind of going in the wrong direction with that to a degree. Well, I think that, that the only thing is it wouldn't it wouldn't show the huge discrepancy versus men versus women. If if it was only that, I think that I think that we are all blind to our own biases. And so, you know, we we don't know what we don't know. And I think that statistics are things that like numbers don't lie. And that's a great part to be able to see. Well, and I guess it would also depend on how many people actually applied. And so if there was a disjoint in there was three times as many men that applied, then actually then it would be fair. So I guess that that's a stat that I do not as of know yet, but it's it's one of these things. Can that, I say something about that as yeah, a fact please. check, really quickly? So it's yeah, the total sure. number of verified users. So for the longest time, the, this has been users that Twitter has self-selected said this is who we consider important. So that would actually reinforce Twitter's bias towards it, just historically. So just just fact checking that. Yeah, if if there were uh, equal men and women on Twitter, right. Um, you mean as far as the gender balance overall? Yeah, right. Like, so it would depend on the. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we the way that um, 
you go through statistics and you do the same thing for like research is that if the pool has five times as many men, like, and usually like uh, good statisticians would actually um, check for that is if there's five times as many men in a pool as women, then the five to one ratio of selection would be equal. Mm -hmm. That would be equal. So that's what I'm, you know, I, and I don't, I don't know, but I do know that that this type of thing has happened to a lot of women on a personal note that I know in comparison to men. I haven't actually tried to be verified, so I can't really say, but I do know a lot of women that want this for protection, to be able to make Twitter safe for them to be in this ecosphere. And so it makes this really, you know, you want to have this safe environment where everyone feels welcome. And it's almost like you don't get the full keys to the car to be able to have access to do that. And that's the part that I think Twitter is missing out on. I I was verified on Twitter in the before times because I worked for a news organization that, you know, had climbed into the, the nest of Twitter and figured that all out. Um, and I can remember so many times, like hands down, the people who were on camera talent more than anyone else uh, who, who received harassment were were our our women anchors and getting being able to switch from this, you know, the, the, the Twitter that didn't have the quality filter and didn't have the extra protection that the checkmark offered, um, being able to switch to that was a, a very important thing for so many of my colleagues at the time uh, because they were able, I mean, we used Twitter a lot for getting in touch with sources, for trying to track down video and photos and things like that from from live events taking place around the world and if they're constantly having having to sift through these creepy terrifying gross messages it was it was a a terrible thing and so i think that you know even back then that there was that kind of hold out there that i don't think should exist and you know, now looking at how things are going, I see way more, um, and maybe this is just because it's who I follow or, or what have you, but I'm seeing a lot more uh, opportunities and chances for guys getting these, these verifications. And I just, it, it's weird to me that Twitter is, I don't know, they can't be, I mean, maybe they are, but it seems like, how can they be living in a bubble and not see all of these complaints and try to, to actively do something to change it in a way that's like, that's obvious and we can actually see it because the, the complaints just keep happening. And every time something new crops up, it's like, this is just one more example of how you continue to fail. And I know that there are a few people out there who work for Twitter who are looking at that stuff, but I just, I don't know. Uh, they continue to disappoint. And I think, the the suddenly making the switch to to the verification process and then shortly after that adding it to everybody you know these are clear movements to do that but i think those things should have happened a long time ago and i think the other thing that's been a problem for me is how ambiguous still and how vague the process is for getting verified because even though you go online and you type in this form there are people who 
request verification every 30 days or whatever the wait is, and then suddenly they're in. And it's kind of like App Store review. You just have to get the right reviewer, and then that reviewer decides, well, then you're newsworthy. And I don't think that that is the proper process for doing something like this. I don't know what is exactly, but the idea that someone might not get verified one time and then go back and try it again, and then they do, or that, that, that shows me that they don't have a very clear example of what it needs to be. And I think that it's troublesome because it's almost even more vague than it was before. Before it was like, be part of a company that pays for ads on Twitter practically, and then you, or be part of a media company that pays for ads on Twitter, and then you, then you could get in versus not. So I don't know. Bothers me. I, 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 I don't agree with you on that, Micah. I on think which that part? any, I think that you're being a little idealistic. I mean, any um, system that involves humans in the loop is going to have inconsistent results. And yet Twitter has shown this forever. With their, um, you know, them reading reports of harassment and re- responding to it. I mean, some days they're on fire, some days they're not. I've had really long conversations with Twitter behind the scenes about some of their very specific policies, for instance, with transgender people. Do you know they had no issue uh, a couple of years ago about coming out and dead naming people, you know, outing people on Twitter? This can literally get someone killed. And they just had no idea. And now, you know, if you look at what Twitter's result is with that, they can have a policy that says, yeah, you know, outing transgender people on Twitter against their will is not allowed. And it's very uneven um, application of that. So I, 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 I accept that anything with humans in the loop is going to be a little bit... Um, it's not going to be perfect justice. I think a lot of people want that. Um, what I think is really clear is I think a lot of women are really at their limit with Twitter. You know, Steve, something I think about all the time is wondering if app.net came along today, what would have happened? I mean, let's assume Dalton wasn't running it and you, you had a good marketing team and they managed to make um, anti-harassment a priority there. Something That's one of the few things app.net did well. What would that story have been? I, I think that this is really at a boiling point for Twitter, where they've really had enough. And when you know women like Jen Frank are leaving, when you know A-list women, um, you mm-hmm. know, are, are 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 leaving the service after you know atrocities like the Ghostbusters thing happened, yeah. it's it's really harming the service. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, it's. It's just another thing that you're asking people to deal with. For me personally, I'm astonished with the quality of the, the, the quality filter. It knocks out so much of the garbage. I rarely see death threats anymore unless I go through and search for it. A lot of the worst harassment, I just never see it. It, it, it makes using Twitter player, pleasurable again. So I think that they're moving in the right direction. But I think this, this verification bias at Twitter, which is backed up with data I'm looking at right now, um, I just think that it speaks to a lot of unconscious biases that exist in all industries, you know, tech, um, journalism, you know, sports, everything. Yeah, and I mean, it shows where their priorities are, too, because there was that story that came out a couple of days ago where there was a sports writer who was permabanned from Twitter because he posted uh, GIFs of Ali Reisman's floor routine on Twitter, uh-huh. and then he was permabanned for that. Yep, and yep. I mean, uh-huh. it took Milo two years of har of of 
the the worst things you can imagine for them to finally do something about it. And he posts three gifts and doesn't they send him an email along the lines of you have 10 minutes to reply or we're going to have to take further action. And within three minutes, his his account was banned. You know, you can you can ha- say something about how the D- how they have to respect the DMCA or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's a really bad look when you have that kind of discrepancy in how your how your discipline is is meted out they say that they want to make things better but they just either they they just don't know or they can't get all of their everyone moving in the right in the same direction to be able to make it happen it's it's almost like i have i have um people that come in and we talk about boundaries and consequences and that any rule that you are not going to have a consequence to you might as well not even have the rule it's like stop signs right like if there was no cops no one would stop at stop signs like <laughs> you people think that you would stop at stop signs because you're good people you wouldn't you just wouldn't everyone would just drive through them because you're not going to get pulled over to it and people don't stop at stop signs anymore anyways because there's really <laughs> very rarely are you going to get caught um and so it's great for them to to have a, a rule, but if it is not implemented, then it doesn't matter that they have that rule. It is only in its implementation of consequences that this rule would have any weight to it. And so having the rule means nothing. It's really empty promises. And it's all, I have a lot of parents that come in and we talk about, well, there should be a consequence. If you make a rule for your child, you want them to get off of their computer at 8 o'clock. Well, then when they don't, what happens? And they say, well, they'll be upset at me if I implemented a consequence. And I'm like... Well, yeah, yeah, that would probably happen, but that's why people feel safe. They feel safe because even though they don't like the rule, they know that they'll be protected just like it would protect someone else. And I think that that's what happens with Twitter. They want to do both ways. They want everyone to be happy. But that leaves the general population feeling unsafe because they can't exist in this because they know that mommy and daddy aren't actually going to protect them when they need to be protected. And so it is only in if they follow through, that's what shows if they care or not about actually doing it. It's in not your words, but in your actions. I I very much like that. Yeah. Uh, And before we move on, I would like to tell you all about Agenda Minder. This week's episode of Disruption is brought to you by Agenda Minder. These days, there are more meetings than ever. Bad meetings are a huge waste of time, and good meetings only come from planning. Agenda Minder is an app for your Mac that will help make meetings better. Agenda Minder is a personal productivity tool for you to plan what you need to talk about in your meetings and help you focus on what you want to accomplish instead of, you know, talking about what you had for lunch last night. Agenda Minder stays out of your way with simple controls and a clean look. You can quickly add meetings and agenda items, capturing the objective and any preparation notes you need. Knowing all of this up front will help things run more smoothly and quickly. You can quickly find the right meeting by sorting them by name or date with easy to use filters to show you what's coming up today this week or next. Agenda Minder was created by a 20-plus year experienced Fortune 50 manager who got tired of meetings being a waste of their time. Preach! Simple preparation greatly improves meetings, and Agenda Minder is the tool that fixed this for them. Agenda Minder lets you drop in emails you receive to help easily set agenda items, so you'll always be prepared for those tricky questions. Easily send agenda items to everyone involved in your upcoming meetings so that that one person can't say, well, I didn't know this is what we were talking about. I forgot to bring the notes for this. And track what's accomplished before setting any action items. A meeting is only as good as the agenda 
Check out Agenda Binder from Internodal today at internodal.xyz. That's right. They've got one of those cool domains, internodal.xyz slash disruption. And guess what? It's also in the Mac App Store. Thank you so much to Agenda Minder, the best agenda ever, for their support of Disruption and Relay FM. And one more time, that's internodal.xyz slash disruption. All right, we should move on to talk about a Muslim intern um, who chose not to remove her headscarf. And because she chose not to remove her headscarf while she was at work in a German town at the town hall, the mayor, Elizabeth Herzog von der Heide, decided to fire the Palestinian woman. Okay, so what's happening in, in Germany now I think is really stark and it's really important. And I don't, I think that People, people often look at it as this is a way to protect secularism. And so it's not a bad thing, right? Because, you know, headscarves are a sign of, you know, uh, undermining women. And they often see it as a way of putting women down and being in their own place. So we're just going to ban that. And then we're going to stop radicalization. And we're going to keep secularism safe. And it's so scary because... When people are scared, we really don't do our best job of thinking forward and ahead to what's really happening here. And this story bothers me on on so many levels, and I'm, I'm not going to do a long rant on it. Because one is, here we are now doing the same thing to women. Like, forcing someone to wear the heart, headscarf is just as bad forcing a woman to take it off. There's women that are wearing burkinis, which is like um, swimwear, but that they'll also keep their hair um, underneath the burkini at the same time. And their face is shown, but if they feel comfortable, that's the way that they feel comfortable. And there's people that are actually saying, you know, well, we're, they, they've banned them in Germany. And so then, uh, again, there are actually policemen that are making women take off their burkinis or saying that they have to leave the beach. And here we go again. Women are getting, again, put under the thumb of an authority saying how they should dress and how they should look because of that. And people think that this makes them safe, but what it's doing is it's whittling away at your freedoms. Freedom is you can wear what you want to wear as long as you're not injuring or damaging someone else. And there might be special cases where you'd say, you know what, you know, we should see someone's face if you have to verify it. Maybe you should not be wearing a full, um, you know, uh, burqa because we have to see someone to make sure that's who they are. Maybe that would be good for your passport. For And there's, so there's special reasons where it is, but this is not that case. This is people are upset and angry and worried. And so we're harming the same people that were uh, marginalized before and doing the same thing to them, but in the opposite manner. And so this is away from our freedoms. And it's funny because they asked Justin Trudeau if they're going to be not allowing burkinis in Canada. And he says, no, we, we believe in freedom and that's your choice. And we think that the way that we can make people feel included and welcomed is by giving them the freedom to be able to wear what they want to wear. And a lot of people that are dealing with skin, like burkinis actually sales went through the roof, which was the most interesting part to this. One is, I think, because women were like, I don't want anyone to be telling me what I should wear and what I shouldn't wear. And two, because a lot of people that are dealing with skin cancer or that have very fair skin um, or that are exceptionally shy or that have had burns or have 
you know, large birthmarks or uncomfortable with their body. So this is a wonderful thing to be able to wear. You don't have to worry about sunscreen. You feel much more comfortable. And so I think that there's a backlash because this is harping against our freedoms. And so it's just so ironic in the way that it is implemented and the way that people um, are able to embrace it. I actually kind of started to uh, get a little frustrated and tear up as I was um, reading more about the burkini ban. Uh, I just can't imagine being on the beach and enjoying myself in the clothing that I choose to wear. And there are literally police patrolling around, hunting down these women who are wearing what they feel comfortable wearing and being issued fines or being threatened that if they don't leave the beach that they're going to be in trouble with the law or they're being told that they can't come to the beach in the clothing they feel comfortable in, this just goes so beyond anything that makes any sort of logical sense to me. Uh, or, or I don't know, it, like how how can these police officers – Feel, feel comfortable doing this. Uh, again, it's just me being frustrated and wishing the world was a smiley, happier place, and it's not. But w- what's the basis of this? How is this even allowed? What? How does this fit any kind of law? I don't. I just don't get it. I. I don't. I don't understand how something like this can get passed through. And of course, this is coming from someone whose ancestors were not allowed to be in the same pools as other people, and they couldn't undress to change that. So you, I just, how can you even just walk up to someone or go hunting for someone on the beach who's just wearing clothing? How can that be illegal? It's it's just so wrong, and I, I, I don't get it. Um, I, I don't understand how... Then this mayor says that this, you know, this this woman is is fired because she chose not to take off her headscarf. And the mayor said it was because you're not allowed to have any personal religious beliefs. Uh, it's it's a religiously neutral town hall, and so wearing the headscarf violated this religious neutrality law. Well, the people higher up the 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 totem pole, uh, Angela Merkel's. Um, party said, nah, there aren't any legal grounds for this decision, so I don't understand how this person was fired. It's just frustrating. And again, like I know that that ends up always being the thing that I'm saying, but it's just, I don't know what else to say here. Uh, Bree, maybe you have more to say. I mean, I like the Lexi Alexander rule for this, and this is a really, this is like the golden rule for dudes. It's like, just shut up about what women are wearing, period. <laughs> just, we don't want your input. Just shut up. We don't care. And like, that's so great. I am so, like, there's a, a cartoon, a, a, a GIF that was being shared today on Facebook that I thought perfectly summed up this situation. And it's got like a, a Western guy and a Muslim guy there right next to each other. You've got this woman in the middle and like she's wearing a, 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 a burqa and then like, you know, the, the Muslim dude pushes it down on top of her and then, you know, the Western white guy just rips it up off of her and it's a sexualized bikini. It's just this looped Jeff that just keeps going back and forth as she's just staying there like, what, don't I have any agency here? And that's what this is all about. You know, I always... I always think it's so helpful when you can admit your own failings 
on on a subject rather than like portray yourself as someone that's perfect on this. Yeah, I will I will completely admit it took me a while to get why, you know, you know, when you're a feminist, you have these uh, unfair associations about, you know, burkas and chadors just being oppression automatically. And the truth is the world's just a little bit more complicated than that Brianna Wu. So, you know, it took me a while to understand that like standing up for feminism is standing up for choice with this. And, you know, I think that Western feminism fails at being there for Muslim women. I think we fail for women of color, and I think we really fail for Muslim women. So, Georgia, I, I'm really appreciative that you brought this up this week. I think it's important. I think those shots of the police on the beach with guns threatening this woman were horrifying. They were beyond horrifying. And, you know, as far as this you know, flat-out religious discrimination that you're talking about in this job situation, it's completely unacceptable. And I realize that there is a complicated discussion to be had about how in Europe, you know, ISIS and ISIL, you know, these are very serious threats to security. Like, they, they do kill people. And I realize that there is a political force there that is trying to keep that curved by, like, you know, trying to keep your Frenchness or trying to keep your, your Germanness by kind of pushing that out of the public sphere. But I just think this is so antagonistic to freedom and mm-hmm. I just don't think it's a very effective way to do anything so those are my feelings yeah, yeah and I mean mm-hmm. it's it should be said that you know there's been a, a fairly long tradition even post World War II of uh, of anti-Semitism and, and you know anti anti-Muslim feelings and general xenophobia in you know in countries like France and Germany so I, I wasn't particularly surprised that this was happening, I, that, which doesn't mean that I wasn't upset. But I, I'm not entirely surprised that this is continuing to that both of these situations are continuing to happen. And I, there's one sentence that was in this article uh, that I wanted to kind of talk about for a second, where uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel has also said that a completely covered woman has almost no chance of integrating herself into German society, and uh. I. I Again, I'm coming at this from a different angle, being Jewish and not Muslim, but I can tell you from my experiences being a Jew in this country, which is less, you know, considerably less difficult than being a Muslim and be Muslim in in France or Germany, that there's a big difference between integration and assimilation. And Mm -hmm. I think that what they're looking for is for this woman to assimilate into their into their society and not integrate into their society. Integrating means, you know, living peacefully side by side. Assimilating means taking it as their own. And and I've I mean this is something especially, you know, having grown up uh, you know, my parents put me through Jewish day school. I was learning Hebrew side by side with English for the first like nine years of school. And then I had to make a series of decisions about, you know, am I going to keep kosher? Am I going to work on Saturday? Uh, you know, things that all, in almost every case I've said no. And the reason is that it's even if you want to do it, even, you know, to be able to stick to the tenets of your religion in a country that is not you're, where you're not the majority, it's it's typically very difficult and it takes a lot of effort. And, 
you know, for a lot of people, myself included, it ends up being that it's just easier to just go with the flow. And so I ended up making the decision. I tried to keep kosher for like six months after I graduated from college. And then I just said, this is too expensive. It's too difficult. And I'm not going to do it. I said to my bosses when I first started, I don't want I don't want to work on Saturday if I can help it. And it turned out I couldn't. And if I want to work in IT where there's often downtime on Saturday and that's when you have to do a lot of the work because the users aren't on the system. If I wanted to have a job in IT, I was going to have to work on Saturday. Nobody told me that, but it was pretty clear to me early on. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that there there has to be a lot of respect for anyone who's going to to be willing to stick to their guns on religion and respect that even if it's going to make them stand out and not assimilate, because assimilation is always the easiest route. It's always easier to just do what everybody else is doing and nobody's going to look at you funny because you always are going to have a million questions to answer. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had to explain to people for the 16th time what a Jewish holiday is when I when I take a day off when or pull my kids out of school for the day because we don't get that holiday off. There's a lot of respect that I have for those women being willing to put themselves through that to be able to follow the, their religion in the way that they want to. And so, and, and we should have nothing but respect for them and for their choices, I think. I agree. All right. Um, I think that that was obviously very well said. Georgia, do you have any final thoughts on on that before we move on? No, I think that that was really well described from everyone. And I think it was nice to, to hear everyone's different perspective to that. Um, and and um, I really admire, Brie, you talking about how, yeah, you know, you see someone, you know, with a burqa and you might think, oh, my goodness, they're being oppressed. This, and I think that that's a very honest statement. So I really appreciate you sharing that as well. I think that a lot of the time when we talk about this stuff, there's so much what I'm increasingly frustrated with is the posturing. Right. Like, I think when we talk about these issues, it's almost like the everyone's trying to posture about how woke they are and how perfect their ideals are. And I'm always more interested in people talking about mistakes, talking about learning, talking about being flawed. I think it's, I think it's more honest when we can admit we, we didn't always get this stuff. And, you know, for me, I'm very proud that the opinions I had five years ago are not the opinions I have today. And I hope five years from today I'll have different ones too. Exactly. That's learning. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, And if I can just really quickly on that topic before we do move on, I mean, whenever you were talking about that, it it reminded me of of growing up. I think that uh, uh, growing up in a conservative Christian household, there was, you know, everyone in the household felt like that was oppression, that they had to wear headscarves. I can remember that being a a conversation being had. And of course, uh, opinions on some other other topics uh, as well. And yeah, I mean, looking back at myself in my, my guess, middle school and uh, even early high school to now and going, oh my gosh, my, I can't imagine just the, the amount of change that's, that, you know, the amount of learning I've had to do in that period of time uh, is pretty massive. So um, I, I appreciate you touching that on that topic too, because I think that you and I both uh, often kind of talk about our, our religious upbringings. And I always yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, um, it took a lot stuff to think through. <laughs> uh, so now we're going to talk uh, about Nextdoor. So Nextdoor is an app that uh, it, it helps connect neighborhoods. Uh, so it's like a, it's kind of like 
Twitter, but just for a specific neighborhood. So you go on there and there's like a classifieds department so you can sell a shoe. Uh, there's a place where you can talk about like the local weather so that you can get some kind of up-to-date weather information. But then there is a problematic part of the app and that is the uh, crime and safety report where you can go in and report crimes. Uh, statistically, the that area has been used a lot for racial profiling, but now Nextdoor is rolling out some fixes for the app, hopefully, that will uh, stop so much of the racial profiling. And Bree, I would love to hear from you on this topic. I don't know. Um, so, you know, this, this whole situation, like it is a, it is a, an app that is based around neighborhoods, right? And one of the things is you get to report crime. And what they've done is they've created this algorithm. That if I, um, you know, if I'm reporting something suspicious and I just write, um, you know, well, the person was X race, then it goes through and it gives you this awesome form with like, where are they wearing top? What are they wearing shoes? Like, and asking for all these things and then races at the very bottom. I do have to say uh, a tendency I see so often in tech is thinking that human problems, problems with human nature, um, you know, like racial profiling can always be solved with algorithmic solutions. You've seen Twitter try to do this. I think it fails sometimes, you know. Um, and especially, you know, the United States is such a gentrified country. And, you know, Micah, you and I are talking about growing up in the South. I could tell you the South is a very, very racially segregated society. I mean, in my hometown of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, like you literally had a line where white people lived and then black people lived. So it's really easy to see that tendency really being exacerbated in the South. So, you know, do I believe that any kind of algorithm can get us past the fact that we're all kind of racist and don't understand it, you know, <laughs> or that we have these unconscious biases. No, but what I am happy to see is, you know, CEO of a, of a tech company kind of stepping up, seeing this issue, thinking about it in smart ways and, um, you know, basically trying to address it. Like this is what Twitter is trying to do. That said, you know, we, we have this concept in, in tech called um, technical debt. So let's say if I'm putting out a game and I don't do anything with man memory management as I'm making the game, at the very end of it, that problem is going to snowball and snowball and snowball. And it's going to be very, very expensive and difficult to fix at the end. You know, in the tech industry, we have sexism debt. We have racism debt. And, you know, we have so many of these systems because we don't involve, you know, black people or Hispanic people or women or gay people or Jewish people in our decisions, we end up with these problems that are very, very difficult to fix. So will they be able to repair it with these algorithmic changes? It makes sense to me. It seems like a smart start, but I don't think it's going to be the only solution. The, it seems like it's a pretty simple algorithm for them to write. I mean, it's, this doesn't seem like they're going to have to do some really complicated machine learning in order to be able to at least have somebody look at some of these posts a little bit more closely before they hit the site. I, I think it's just a matter of that a site like this seems to cater to, you know, a, a user base that is very not in my backyard. Uh, you know, if you have a bunch of people who are just inclined to believe that somebody who does not look like them is 
dangerous. I don't know how many algorithms you're going to be able to write to fix that. That's not a problem that they can solve. I think the problem is just that this tool is kind of getting used in a way that was not intended by the people who built it, which is kind of a problem that happens in tech a lot, that you build something expecting it's going to be used one way, and then it ends up being not even necessarily abused, but just kind of used in a way that you wouldn't have expected and you would have you wouldn't have built it that way possibly if you knew that it was going to be built that way and it's just a, a kind of a function of the kinds of neighborhoods that are using a, a site like this are unfortunately the kinds that are going to be very suspicious of people who don't look like them and i i'm i'm glad that they're trying I think that at least it says something that they're willing to make an effort and they're putting something in place to try to uh, to reduce that. But at the end of the day, the site is just kind of a symptom of the problem. It's not really the problem itself. The problem is the people who are using it. And just the form is not going to change the beliefs of the people who are posting those things. It's it's very interesting because he says um – you know, as of today, next door neighbors posting a crime or suspicious behavior on the site will be warned against allowing individuals race or color to, to interpret uh, their events, the turn of events, which they it just they just don't understand that people do that unconsciously. They don't think that they're doing it, but they do. And then if you're angry or you're upset or if you're already racially motivated, then that's just going to propel you to have this one way that you can be able to be angry and be able to to. Um, you know, and it, they wouldn't even think that they're profiling. They're just angry, and so they're going to do that, and they wouldn't even think about it. So saying racially profiling is prohibited, they don't think that they're doing that in the first place. As Steve said, it's not going to change their um, unconscious biases or conscious biases that they already have towards perhaps a select group of people. And so they did I, – I love that the fact that they tried, and they tried to be more descriptive – um, and, you know, by giving more steps before you can add race to it. And they say that adding the more steps of asking for the age and the hair and what are they wearing on the top, what are they wearing on the bottom, the shoes, has decreased instances of racially profiling by 75%, which I don't understand how they would know that and what that would mean. It may be just that less people will fill in the form now because it takes a little bit more time. But, you know, I'm happy that they're trying out to that, but I agree with Steve on that. This is really symptomology more than it is something that there I think that it can cause damage though because people will use applications that like when we deal with cognitive dissonance anything that then proves the point that you already want to make is the one that you will hold on to so then they could use this application to still you know say well crime is up this much when you know this set of group of people have joined our neighborhood and which would happen. So I think that they're even though they're trying to do a good job to stop that, sometimes applications with the best of intentions can still be used for ill. They said in the article that they're allowing users to flag posts for racial profiling. So presumably they're looking at the frequency that ha- that that flag is used and that that flag is agreed with by their customer service department when they're when they're reviewing those. <clears throat> Police officers in New Jersey mistakenly chased down an innocent 10-year-old boy in an alley. The cops were looking for an armed robbery suspect. Newark police have admitted that they briefly detained Legend Solomon before catching the actual robber, who was twice his age. Fox 5 News spoke to Legend and his mother, who were understandably shaken up. A 10-year-old boy was chased down by police officers who were brandishing their weapons because they mistook him for another person. 
who they mistook him for a criminal. And that's what happens when a police report comes in and it says a five foot five black man was doing this or doing that. That's what happens is a 10 year old boy gets chased down by police officers. I know that algorithms aren't going to solve everything. And I know that uh, we're always going to have racism. And I know that there will always be mistakes. But I am happy that an app that is notorious for having these issues is taking some step, especially because early on with Nextdoor, it seemed to be kind of a thing they didn't really pay attention to. It seemed that way. Uh, it was just kind of a, a thing they buried under the carpet. We know that this is a problem, but we're not going to talk about it. If you are required to talk about someone's hair, their the shirt they're wearing, their shoes that they're wearing, the, the shorts that they're wearing, uh, it's more likely that little legend is not going to get chased down by police who are brandishing weapons and scaring the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I am I'm I'm happy that this app is making that change uh, because like I said, from from what what we know about this app, the way that it has taken off in the past, and like there's so many in this article that we'll share in, in the show notes. There's so many links to different articles within it because this app has taken off in the past for this specific issue, and so we know that this app is used by uh, by people to to either racially profile or in the case of of trying to you know report things to the police. Uh, it's good that this is there. Uh, so I, I like I said, I'm happy that this change is being made. And, uh, I, there's certainly more to do, but, um, if we can, uh, keep more people safe from being chased down by police officers when they're not doing anything wrong, especially young people who are, uh, as far as I understand it, Georgia, uh, more easily traumatized, uh, because they are younger then I am, I'm happy, uh, that that's the case. So, Can I add something onto that really quickly, Micah? I think, you know, so often I see this because we treat women in tech um, bias like it's a problem for women to solve. And I think similarly, um, I think a lot of white people seem to think that, you know, this kind of racial profiling is black problems to solve. It's not. It's a white behavior problem. And to me, I'm happy about these kind of algorithmic changes, but I would challenge every white person out there, you know, listening this to do would be, we have got to understand our biases that are so hardcore wired into us, you know, it's, we've got to understand that like we too tend to make housing decisions to only live around other white people. You know, we do, I think, um, I think we're socialized to have this like fear when we see, you know, black people in white neighborhoods and it's just it's so destructive. And I think the conversation that white people need to be having with ourselves, you know, within our families, you know, with with our neighbors, I think we've constantly got to be challenging this kind of bias. And, you know, like we had a really long episode on Rocket this week talking about some of the, the frustrations with call-out culture in feminism. 
But I do think that there is a, a benefit in using your Facebook, using your Twitter, you know, using the influence that you have to kind of, you know, show these issues, show that, you know, black people can be shot even when their hands are up for absolutely no reason. So I, I really think this is a, a challenge for white people to get past. Yeah, if I could tell a quick story uh, be, before we move on to a uh, sponsor. I mean, this hits even close to, to home. Um, I was was traveling with my partner uh, the other day, and um, we you know, I was dropping him off somewhere, and he's white, for, for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, and I was dropping him off somewhere, and after he had been dropped off and he was leaving, he told me that there was a sobriety checkpoint um, that I didn't realize was was you know there. And I was sober. That's not the problem. Um, <gasps> the, I was sober. I was not driving no, intoxicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, so so we he got dropped off and he told me that. And something to know about me is that I am just absolutely terrible with directions. So like I go my one way here and my one way back, and that's the way that I do it. Um, so I had to go through that checkpoint. And you know, for him, it was just this you know this blase thing. It wasn't a big deal. He had gone through the checkpoint, and everybody was was super nice to him, and and everything went swimmingly. And um, I actually ended up going a different way. Like I, I ended up going, you know, 10 minutes out of my way because I am terrible at directions simply because I was genuinely terrified that, you know, what if I move my hands over here? What if I do this or what if I do that? And honestly, everything probably would have been fine because again, I, there was nothing wrong. I was not breaking any laws. Everything was fine, but there, there is where I live. There have been issues with, uh, with racial profiling and the police. And so I was terrified. And, you know, it wasn't something that he realized. And in that moment, whenever he kind of told me, hey, by the way, there's this there. And, you know, it was no big deal for him. I was upset. And he didn't get it at first. And it, it took a minute for him to understand. And, you know, he eventually apologized and everything was good. But, I mean, that's 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 the point that I'm trying to make is that even someone as close as the person that I love and I've chosen to spend my life with can can be you know ignorant to these things as well. So yeah, doggone it, I'm asking you to do the same. <laughs> Step up, please. I, I would I would love that, and uh, I, I think that. I want to thank everybody, um, and I think that that was uh, really well done. But I've got to tell you, this episode of Disruption is brought to you by our friends at Mac Weldon. So I want to say that uh, Mac Weldon was kind enough to send me some underwear and some socks, and oh I, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I. F- <laughs> I freaking love these things, okay? I am constantly, like, tossing my other... I have, like, I I kid you not, I have more than 100 pairs of socks. I love socks. I love weird socks. You have more than 100 pairs of socks? Yes, because I love patterns on socks. I know, it's super weird. Oh, no, I know why. It's because they cover feet. 
It's the sea, yes. Uh, like anytime, um, anytime there's a, a celebration that require not requires, but there are gifts given. Usually, I always get like twenty pairs of socks from a bunch of different family members because they know that I love them. And so I've got like striped socks, this and striped socks that, and uh, made Shane, made Shane fall in love with socks. And so now we both from our different family members get socks. And anyway, there are more than a hundred pairs of socks in this house, and I'm constantly tossing all of the socks out of the way so that I can get to my Mack Weldon socks and my Mack Weldon underwear. So let me tell you a little bit about Mack Weldon, other than how excited I am about Mack Weldon. Um, the, the shopping experience, okay? So you go online, and I'm trying to figure out what socks I'm going to get, or my socks and where I'm going to get, and I find all of these socks and all of these underwear that I just have to have. So I start adding them to my cart, right? And uh, going and going. And I look up and the price is slowly dropping as I add more things to the cart. So super cool. They have this kind of like bulk purchasing system, basically, where the more you add, the more of a discount you get, which is a very clever thing to do to humans because then they're like, I'm just going to add one more and then I can get 15% off. I'm just going to add three more and then I can get 20% off, which is basically what happened to me. Uh, super simple to buy. Once you've added them to your cart, you just boop, 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 and then pretty soon they're they're purchased and they're on the way. So not only are they like the reason that I like the socks and the underwear, uh, obviously I'm a sock professional. Like uh, if I have more than hundred pairs of socks, I know what good socks are, right? And here's how you can tell uh, socks are good socks. So if you're getting long socks, um, those socks, you know, they're good if they are super long because some, some companies will kind of skimp on the, the length of the sock and they slide down your, your leg all day. Not Mac Weldon. Those things practically go up to my knee. And I'm a tall person. Uh, at least Brie can attest to that. Uh, and so I can pull those things up and they stay all day long. The other way is that when you take a sock off, if it flops down, not that great of a sock, but if it kind of like holds its form and looks like it's got a foot in it, that's a good sock because it means it's got a lot of weaving and a lot of, uh, of fabric there. So Mack Weldon socks have this nice little ring that goes around your foot and then it also has this super cushy pad underneath. Uh, the underwear have mesh zones so it keeps you, you know, dry <laughs> and, and nice and breezy. Uh, all right. All right. All right. We're going there. We're going there. Let me ask you this, Micah. If you were – okay, so let's say you were Superman, okay? Okay. You've just been sent here from Krypton and you pull on the blue leotard. Would these be of the quality that you would feel comfortable like pulling the red lens up over the blue spandex suit and showing it to the world? Are they that level of quality? Heck yes, they are that level of quality. These things would be able to withstand my sonic boom as I fly off into the sunset. These things are fantastic. So yeah, uh, Mack Weldon socks, underwear, shirts. Uh, they have sh- they have uh, sweatpants. They have hoodies. It's all great stuff. Definitely go check them out. Uh, l- listeners of the show, you can get 20% off. Remember, when you're adding stuff to the cart, it's already going down in price. You can get 20% off with a code disruption. So I want to thank Mack Weldon for their awesome socks and underwear. I just went onto their site the other day. I think that's how you really know is it even past the ones that they sent me if you go and buy more, which I did. Uh, that's how you know that it's a good product. So wow. thank you so much to Mack Weldon for keeping me supported and happy and for your support of <laughs> this show. Mesh and zone. All, and exactly. Thank you for keeping me supported with your mesh zones. And thank okay. you for supporting Relay <laughs> FM. That is enough about Oh Mac Weldon wait, wait, no, I want to know this. If I oh. ran into you at the gym 
And, oh, no, like, no. Would it be awkward or would it be okay? <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. It, it depends uh, on if he has a sonic boom that day or not. Why would it be awkward? Did you not listen to where, our last episode? Where were you? Where were you oh, last oh, oh, God. I think, oh, I think, I think George has actually blocked that entirely it. out of her memory. She's repressed that entire conversation. <laughs> she, it would explain a lot if Georgia just put on noise-canceling headphones <laughs> yeah. for the parts of the show where I talk. <laughs> like, She's actually just in VR, like, playing selfie tennis during parts of the show. Yeah. Oh, that game is so good. If you're asking if they keep everything where it needs to be, they keep everything where it needs to be. All right, all right, all right, all right. Mesh zone. All right. Let's <laughs> mesh zones. Hashtag mesh zones. We have a new Let name. Let us move the, on the to show. questions, please, for the love of all that is disrupting. Uh, I, I have a question. How dare you? No. <laughs> as do you want to tell all the nice people how they can send their send their questions to us, Micah? Because I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, I would love to tell all of our friends how you can send us your questions. You can either. Go to Twitter and tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me. Or you can send us a direct message if you'd rather remain anonymous. You can also send us an email by going to our site, relay.fm slash disruption, and leaving us some information in the contact section. Or last but certainly not least, if you want to get your voice on a show, you're going to go to 508-418-3532. That's 508-418-3532. So leave us a voicemail if you want. You forgot one way, Micah. That you actually drive to Georgia Dow's house and then hide from her as she hunts <laughs> you in the woods? No. Pigeons. No, I saw the movie Dark Places. You don't want to Or if do you're that. a Game of Thrones fan, Crows. Yeah. I mean, Stra- Stranger Things is actually the biography of Georgia Dow. Ooh. Just saying. Is she the monster? <laughs> I'm not saying. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Which ca- I'm not going to ask. I don't want to yeah. know which character I am. I'll leave that up to the, I'll leave that I, I, up to I know the what you're thinking, listeners. Which which character in Stranger Things George Dow actually is? But um, the monster. She's actually the <laughs> waffles. Um, no, she's the the monster. The waffles. That's totally George Dow. Like I I was sitting there watching it. And I was like, Frank, does that <gasps> monster remind you of George Dow? And he's like, I took me a long time to realize it wasn't George Dow. <laughs> I don't know, uh, you know, an 11-year-old girl in 1983 who's, who's, you know, using mind powers to send people flying across the, across the woods, you know, could happen. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah. It's, why, it's why Frank kept on sending me those messages. George, I just saw you on TV. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, dear. So we got, so we got a DM from, from Charlie who says, how I see myself as a, as a logical person and an extrovert in a bubble. I have no problems being loud and talking to people that I know, but I find myself hesitating to the point where I am unable to act on the impulse to talk to someone I would like to know. I don't feel embarrassed about being foolish or the like, but the fear of rejection may be something closer to it. What advice do you have for someone needing to pop the bubble and act? Right. So, yeah, that's um, a type of social anxiety. It's really, really common. And how you know it's social anxiety is that introverts get energy from being alone and staying inside of themselves and extroverts get it from outside. So you want to speak with more people, but for whatever reason it might be, you don't feel comfortable with that. And so what you want to do is you want to practice going outside of yourself in a comfortable range. So you don't want to flood yourself and just, you know, 
you know, scream out loud to 100 people in a crowded room and talk to all of them, that would be too much. You'll be exhausted. What you would want to do is, you know, just say, I'm going to ask one person a question, which could be a really simple question that you would have liked to talk to, like, where's the washroom? Uh, Do you come here often? You know, hi, this is my name. Do you have the time? Where's the, you know, where, where is the, you know, owner to this? Like any simple question that would be innocuous and you don't have to worry that someone would think that you were silly or why did I ask that? And it wouldn't trigger you. But you want to do that. The only way you get better at something is if you practice. So you would want to do that like really four times a week, you know, three or four questions if you could at a time just so that you get yourself bathed in a little bit of that feeling and you gain more confidence. As you gain more confidence, you up the difficulty level of what you would be asking people. And so in my sessions, I would often give people a list of many different things that they would have to do that would be specialized to what their issues are and what their goals are. And then we would go through them week to week as that would be their homework. You just have all the answers, don't you, Jordan Dow? You just know everything. I, I was expecting Dr. Brianna to have an alternate form of therapy, so I, that's why I was I was waiting you know, for it. You know, I, I can, can I have a, a little bit of a serious Yeah, thing yeah, go here? ahead. I, I really, you know, I almost want to make a, a topic out of this on the show sometime, but I I think about what my, my personality was a few years ago, and, you know, I... The truth is I get so many threats and I get so many death threats and like I had cops following me around Worldcon. I found that my personality shifted to the point where I am now terrified around strangers. And I I was at Worldcon last week. I didn't want to go to parties. I didn't want to talk to people. And I've come to realize this is like um, a change in my personality. And I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that. So I guess I would just say I understand where you know the that listener's coming from. Yeah, okay. but yours would probably be more linked to a post-traumatic stress yeah, um, well. than it than it would be to um, a social anxiety. It would be it, you know. So it would be there. She goes having all the answers again. Yeah. Thanks, Georgia. <laughs> You know, no, any like other questions? Maybe Georgia <laughs> won't know the answer to that. <laughs> okay. Cool. Ask some, some technical questions. Yeah. I have a question for disruption. So I just dropped a picture of some shorts into I disruption chat. Is that Georgia, what they call those? Would you, would you wear those to your job professionally? Because I'm really <laughs> thinking about wearing those to business meetings. If I could, like, I totally would. People with a fear of dinosaurs, maybe. I, is should, it, should, is, are they actually shorts a, or are they a belt? Micah, can you describe them? Yeah, describe yeah. we shorts. paint an okay. audio photo here. Uh, so first of all, I just have to note that this comes from my favorite online clothing brand. That's ASOS, uh, which is a UK company. But these are a pair of black jean shorts. Uh, they are kind of distressed at the bottom, like the, their little threads hanging off. And then there's a nice uh, long, what looks like uh, the mixture between like a T-Rex tail and an alligator tail hanging off yeah. the back of it and it's sticking straight out like this isn't just hanging down this is sticking straight out the back so like you walk and you just have i don't know probably what what would you say that's like four feet behind you three yeah. or four feet behind uh, you uh, I mean, it's, it's as long like if you put it straight up it would be going to the top of the model's head oh that's so awesome yeah you pretty much would need to have a standing desk in order to be able to make this work in an office <laughs> setting you know what if hillary clinton wore those to the presidential debates <laughs> with donald trump that would be like get rid of the pantsuit hillary just wear these shorts out there on some, like dinosaur pants 
that's that gives you power because like, George, I'm just I'm figuring this like psychologically, but like if you feel like a powerful dinosaur, that's gonna make you a powerful dinosaur in your business actions, right? I would, I would, I think that they they would probably spin that into that's her showing her her inner self out. Um, but I love them. I think they're hilarious. If she wore them, she'd have to like pretend that it wasn't a thing. Yeah. Like act as if. Oh yeah, just what? Are, what are you talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, you can't draw any attention to that. You just need to sell it as though that is the most normal thing in the world. Right. Exactly. And then I would love to just see what would happen with that. And they have all kinds of other tails as well. So if you like foxtails, they have foxtails. If you like cattails, they have cattails. I would just want my tail to be animatronic so it would just like wave back and forth as well. Then that would be it. I would have actually probably already bought it by now if that was the case. I want I want Tigger's tail. What, so you can you bounce, can bounce around? From Winnie the Pooh. You could spray. No. Tis, Tigger is the literal worst. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Tigger is a monster. Yeah. Oh, Pish posh. No, he doesn't respect boundaries. You are not He's... a Tigger person, are you? I don't know if we can yeah. continue this. This that that's I'm that's a, a Tigger tail person. Uh that's that's a little bit that's getting close you know, though. I I think I most identified with uh Piglet. Okay. Oh. I think I would probably identify most with Tigger, even though I realize he's problematic. <laughs> I, I'm so. more Eeyore myself, but yeah. <laughs> George is the narrator. Uh, or the Steve would be Eeyore. Let's Steve is Eeyore. Yeah. Steve is Eeyore and Georgia Georgia is that rabbit. Oh no, the rabbit's mean. Okay. Well, okay, Georgia that's okay, Tigger. that's accurate then. You're right. <laughs> I think so. There's actually a book, by the way, called Cooking with Pooh. Is, does it have the poo emoji on the front? Oh, it's, God. it's Winnie the Pooh. It's a book that oh, says gotcha. cooking. P-O-O-H. P-O-O-H. One more question. Uh, okay, so here's a question from, uh, from Zero who writes, um, I'm currently doing the diversity challenge and have been since January. It's been an excellent experience. Even when one of my favorite authors releases a new book I want to read and can't, and has helped me learn ways to seek out diverse books. I know Bree is a big audiobook fan, would love to hear any suggestions the hosts have for diverse books. Uh, my second question is the real reason I thought of your team for sad reasons. In the image for the challenge on Exo Jane, the author is holding up American Gods by Neil Gaiman with a no circle. Not everyone may be aware of this, but Gaiman's family is Jewish. Uh, Steve, in particular, what are your thoughts on this sort of thing when folks might say Ellie Wiesel and Art Spiegelman are fine, but Gaiman isn't Jewish enough? I've spent the last year thinking on this question, and I think it's big erasure issues and think you all would have good thoughts. Thanks for your time. Love the show, Zero. So I'll pass this over to you first, Bree, for the first part of that question before I... I tackle the second half of it. Well, it depends on what what kind of books you like, right? Um, one of the biggest, the most awesome things about the Hugo Awards this week is women tore it up. Like we won everything. Yeah. We won absolutely oh, everything. God. Everything. So, uh, yeah, let me tell you, one of my very favorite, assuming you like science fiction, which you should if you're a good person, um, <laughs> my my friend uh, Jennifer Fainer Wells wrote a really, really, really excellent uh, book series. It's called uh, Fluency. It's really event uh, horizon meets contact. So, like, doesn't that sound awesome? Nice. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's, uh, it's a hard science book. She's just, uh, you know, really, really wonderful. You know, uh, Fifth Generation, of course, won uh, Best Novel this week for the Hugo Awards. That's just awesome. 
Um, I, I would say though, like I, I have to admit, like I just read what I like primarily and I'm looking down my audible list and it is, unfortunately it's a majority white men. So I'm embarrassed now that you asked this question. I can't find, I can barely find anyone on here that's not a white man. So wait, Meg Cabot, Meg Cabot. Oh, oh, the princess diaries. I love those. Oh my God. I could do the world's most embarrassing quiz show because I've read every <laughs> Meg Cabot novel like 500 times. Like, it's, it's really funny because I think of myself as like a really blunderbuss, like hard-nosed feminist. And then it's like, oh, is Michael Moskowitz going to ask Princess Mia to the dance? I need to know. Don't judge uh, me. <laughs> no, no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> I was just going to say, I really love, and I think everybody should check this out if you're into mysticism or uh, fantasy-ish, sci-fi-ish. It's not really sci-fi. Anyway, the book is called The Golem and the Genie. Uh, It's by Helene Wecker, um, who is actually uh, recently joined the Incomparable Network. Uh, And (gasps) the, the book is just... Oh my gosh! One, I, I think I've read it now like three times, and it is about. Uh, I, I think I've actually talked about it before on this show. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, it's it's a clashing. Uh, well, not clashing. It's the coming together of both Jewish mythologies and Arab mythologies. Of course, the genie, the genie being the Arab mythology, and the golem being the Jewish mythology, and it's just fantastic. And it's the it's just. It's written in this. It just reminds me of like soft French pastries, the 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 flowery language of it, and I I don't know. I just get lost in this book. Uh, and Helene is absolutely fantastic, and I totally think that you should read that. I'm going to put that on my list. I think I have Audible credits actually that I need to use up for the rare times I actually get to <gasps> read it. <laughs> I I listen to too many podcasts to have time to read to to listen to audiobooks is the problem. So. Um, I, I guess so I don't and I don't really read a ton of fiction generally, but when I have read fiction like Gaiman back when I was reading fiction, Gaiman was actually one of my favorite authors. And I did not know until getting this question that he was Jewish, which I guess says something. But there is the tendency to put whiteness or, or you know, ahead of being Jewish, especially like we were just talking about assimilating and, and that's kind of what ends up happening with Jewishness to some extent that if you do a good enough job at assimilating, people don't realize that you are actually Jewish and that's part of it. Um, I'll say for this particular challenge, it's specifically says non-white straight cis male, which Gaiman does qualify for all of those categories. So I think that, you know, because they're not going into religion, that it's, it's a fair thing for them to exclude him. And and it's not like Neil Gaiman really needs other people, you know, needs a lot of people to discover him. I, I think he's pretty much solidified himself in, in the, the fiction market. He's, you know, he's kind of an up and coming writer, but a few people have heard of him. Uh, but, but I do, I, there, I found an interesting article kind of down a rat hole with this, where he talks about how, um, you know, being Jewish influenced his writing because a lot of his stories, are about being other in a strange land. And like if you think about something like American Gods or you think about Neverwhere where he's I mean Neverwhere is a really good example where he it the main character is kind of thrust into this uh, uh, kind of an upside down version of London 
to do Stranger Things terminology. And everything is is foreign to him and he sticks out like a sore thumb, even though he kind of blends in, but he doesn't because he doesn't know the he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, I read a, a lot of Jewish authors tend to go towards werewolf stories because that's kind of the Jewish experience, too, that you're very much part of the society until you're very much not. Um, and then people discover it, and then all of a sudden you're very other. Uh, so thank you for listening to the show. Again, if you want to find those show notes, you can find them at relay.fm slash disruption. Thanks, of course, to our lovely Relay FM network. Please go review the show on iTunes. It really helps us, and we love to read what you've got to say, unless you have mean things to say, in which case we just laugh. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Micah Sargent. And Steve, where can people find you? You can find me uh, making D-jokes or not, no longer making D-jokes <laughs> on, uh, on Twitter at Wicked Good. Do not appropriate the D. Don't, don't <laughs> Bree, where can people find you? Stomping around in my awesome dinosaur shorts. <laughs> yeah. I want pictures. Account. I want pictures. Yes. Yes. I'm going to buy you, you think I'm joking. No, like, I'm go I to totally the don't. They're Georgia. awesome. It's gonna, it's gonna, I am. I, I, I actually, no, no, no. I, I looked on Etsy yeah. for um, these, these horns. They would go great yeah. with the dinosaur shorts, and oh I'm gonna be buying those. If like we great. ever do a live That's show great. ever, we should. Then we can fight, it. Georgia. You and I oh. can fight. You, you know, Georgia. Yes, there was I that guy it. who was in the T Rex costume who did the American Ninja Warrior uh, oh, course, and great. I think that should be your goal. Oh my gosh, that would be I awesome, I Georgia. See, where can people you find you? Wait, I never said I'm at the Twitter account Space Cat Gal. I'm not oh, Georgia, I, but that's where you can find me. I, I always, I always forget to wait for you to say it. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, and Georgia, now that the shenanigans have come to an end, and wow, my voice is changing, where can people find you online? Uh, if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, boundaries, consequences, issues, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. And I'm going to be different. Many people don't have Twitter. You can find me on email. It's Georgia at imore.com. Awesome. And one more time, you can find our show on Twitter at underscore disruption FM. Tweet with the hashtag disrupt me or send us a direct message. All that's left is for Steve to appropriate the culture of Ferris Bueller's Day Off by telling the audience what? Go, go home. Show's over. We're done. Go, go. You're still listening. Go.